in a world where every diet you know is wrong. Well, not every diet. I mean... Yes, but almost every doesn't sound as good. Yeah, but... Shut up. One man stands alone. Well, not completely. I mean... It's time for Adam Martin, the No Breakfast Guy. And let's talk fast. Fasting, fitness, and fat loss. What's going on guys and welcome to a brand new episode of the Let's Talk Fast podcast. I'm your host Adam Martin, more commonly known as the No Breakfast Guy. And how are you all today? Hope you are fantastic. As always, I hope you are doing what you love with the people that you love and wherever you are in the world that uh, the sun is shining and you're having a fantastic day because where I am currently, which is Melbourne, which I live, <laughs> um, it is going through a pretty cold snap right towards the kind of later end of winter, um, obviously in August at the moment as I'm recording this. And we've got a really big storm about to come through and the temperature has plummeted and there's a bucket load of snow on the way that'll be hitting all of our mountains, which a lot of the ski resorts are happy about. But me being a sun, sunny bunny, if that's, I don't even know if that's a terminology, but uh, I love the sun, I love the warmth and this cold weather I hate. So I hope it passes quickly and we get into spring and summer nice and soon. But uh, to get straight into the podcast today, guys, I won't waste your time. About uh, three or four days ago from when I'm actually recording this, uh, I sent out a, a question to my Instagram following and basically asked the question, what are your questions around fasting, fitness and fat loss in particular? And I'll do a podcast and go a little bit deeper onto some of those questions now. Had a number of questions come through. Just uh, let me have a look. We've got 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, uh, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16 questions. And so if I was to do my usual kind of um, talking, we would be here for about four hours on a podcast. So I'm really going to try and go through these in a much more succinct and answer the question really straight up and frontal. If it's a really kind of just a one word answer I can give, I will. If there needs to be a bit more context or a bit more detail, I'll certainly do that. Um, but I think uh, we can get through this and I think uh, we can bring some value to you listening in on this. And I really do hope that what we talk about and uh, what we go through today really does help you on your fat loss journey or your journey into starting fasting. Uh, and fitness in general. So let's just dive straight into it, guys. I'm going to tell the name of the person that asked this, just their, I should say their Instagram handle, not their name, but their Instagram handle. Uh, if I get any of them uh, wrong, I do apologize to the people who sent it through, but there are some weird ones that are coming through. So let's just dive straight into it, guys, and let's take it off with number one, which is Mrs. underscore G underscore underscore Manuza. Ask how many days do you have to fast in order for it to start to work slash lose weight? Let's just get straight to the point, guys. You all know, if you've listened to any of my content, that the only cause or factor that matters when it comes to fat loss is calorie deficit. You must be eating less calories than your body needs. And so this idea of how many days do I have to fast in order for it to start to work or lose weight has no bearing on it whatsoever. Yes, I absolutely believe there are uh, health benefits that are going to help your health long um, in the long term and in longevity and things like that with regards to fasting. However, when it comes to losing weight, losing fat, 
you must be in a calorie deficit. You can do all the fasting you like, but if over a long period of time, your calories see you in a net positive, you will not lose a single gram of weight. You must be in a calorie deficit. I think that adds it. I've said this time and time again, guys. I can't say it more than enough. Stop thinking that fasting is this magic tool or keto is this magic tool or going vegan is some magic tool. They all work when you're looking at them from a uh, fat loss perspective by creating an energy deficit, a calorie deficit. And if you can do that calorie deficit, find what works for you. For me and many of my clients and many more people coming across the fasting life, they're finding that fasting and restricting the time in which they're eating does help them reduce their calories overall, which helps them lose weight, but it's not fasting that is helping you lose weight. So there is no specific amount of days there, Mrs. G. Manuza. You have to be in a calorie deficit and look at this as a long-term approach. This is not a six-week shred your abs program. This is not even a one-year life program. This is for life. You must find something that you can be sustainable at and be consistent with for the rest of your life. I'm not saying you have to be perfect with it. Absolutely, you're going to go on holidays. You're going to have you know, birthday parties. You're going to have nights out with the, with the friends and Friday night drinks and things like that. They're all absolutely part of this equation. It's the equation over the long term that you need to be consistent with. All right, moving on. Tracy4341, and she's actually got a couple of questions, so thank you very much, Tracy. Um, her first question was, how long is a good fast? I normally go about 15 to 16 hours. Now, again, this I'm going to kind of just make an assumption that the question is coming from a fat loss perspective because I asked around fat loss and uh, uh, fasting, as I've said before and just said again, it comes down to how many calories you're getting over a long period, of, uh, over a, consistently over a long period of time. So if you are someone that really needs to restrict your eating window because you find you eat more than you should be when you are eating, then having a fast that lasts for 23 hours and then eating in a one hour period, i.e. the whole I eat one meal in one day or OMAD or whatever people are calling it, these days could be of benefit to you and be the way to move forward to help you achieve your goals. For others, it might just be the skipping breakfast, which obviously I'm heavily promoting, and just having two meals a day. Uh, but if it's coming from a perspective of the health benefits, uh, most of the research and kind of when I was doing um, readings and I continue to do readings saying that 16 plus hours is where most of the health benefits start to really ramp up with regards to fasting. You don't have to be going multiple days like you do uh, read about. Now, there is some early research going into more extended type fasting and only consuming water uh, and what that might do with regards to longevity and regards kind of, uh, you know, a lot of the replenishment of cells and clearing out your immune system and all these kinds of things. It's very early data and it's impossible to tell whether what they're seeing in those mice studies, there's no real um, repeated kind of uh, studies have been done on, and long-term studies have been done on humans. So to say that you know, fasting for three days every quarter or fasting for seven days once a year is going to help you long term and see you live longer and better and healthier and have an incredible immune system. I think that's incredible, uh, incredibly kind of uh, forward thinking to be able to say that just yet. But there's some interesting studies that are going around. So with regards to how long should you be for uh, health, I would say 16 hours plus. 
but when it comes to the fat loss, as I said, find a protocol that works for you. Uh, her follow-up question to that was, and exercise and fasting, morning better than night or other way around, makes no difference whatsoever. Again, find what best suits you. Yes, being exercising in a fasted state will help you use fat as a fuel source for that exercise more so than carbohydrates because of course your body in a fasted state will have most likely used up most of your carbohydrate stores. But, and please don't get this wrong, I hate when I see people who are pro-fasting talking about how much more effective fasted cardio or fasted exercise is at burning fat. They're getting the terminology wrong. Yes, you use fat more effectively as a fuel source, but that does not mean you are burning more fat and losing weight in a macro scale. At the end of the day, calories still need to be in a deficit, so make sure you find yourself in a deficit over the long term. No, fasted exercise is no more effective. So Tracy, if you want to exercise in the morning or you want to exercise at night, there is no benefit to either one. The best benefit you're gonna get is by adhering to a consistent re regime of exercise. Now, if you're better in the mornings because you like to get up and get going and it wakes you up and you then have a better day and you're more productive, then you're more likely to choose better, I guess, choices around your health and eating and things like that because you got your day started on a positive note, then great, do it in the morning. If you're someone that likes your sleep, you like to sleep in, you don't want to kind of have to get up and get moving and get powered into an exercise regime and you'd rather do it after work because that's when you've got the time in the day, that's when you're more energetic and that's where you're more likely to do it then do it at the end of the day. Neither one is better than the other. The one that's gonna be best is the one that works for you, and that's an age-old cliche saying, but it's absolutely true. Uh, let's move on to Katamariz. Is it okay to exercise during the morning slash fasting period, or is it better to do it, it hours after I ate? Um, again, there is no benefit to whatsoever, as I just explained that being in a fasted state, you will use fat as a substrate more readily or as a fuel source more readily. That does not mean you are gonna be more effective at fat loss. So to you, catamarites, if you need, or if you feel that you need to have some sort of food inside you because you feel that you have a better workout because of that, in that you have more energy, or it, whether it's a placebo effect or you're actually there is a more energy um, kind of available to you that's, and therefore you have a better exercise, then have something to eat before you exercise. If for me, I have to have nothing in my stomach when uh, I'm exercising because I get, you know, I, I push myself quite hard when I'm exercising and if I've got any food in me, I just start to feel ill. So I always like to train faster than eat straight after um, I've done my exercise. That's just me, that's what works for me. And again, with the age old cliche saying, Whatever works best for you, stick with that. And so just know though that there is no real benefit or is it better either way or the other to be exercising fasted um, or you know having it after you've eaten uh, later in the day. Uh, Smurf underscore 1974 asked, can I put two tablespoons of milk in my first morning coffee? I always answer this one is you can do whatever you like and no one can tell you what to do. Um, but should you or can you, um, I mean, uh, sorry, is it going to affect, because I'm presuming again, this question's coming around, will it affect my fasting? Yes, 
it will break you out of a fasted state if you do have two tablespoons of milk, one tablespoon, a drop of uh, milk in your coffee. Any calories in a fasted state will bring you out of that fasted state. And there is some research going about, and I get tagged in it all the time. Rhonda Patrick is Dr. Rhonda Patrick. is certainly one of the people who is um, like really pushing this idea that even or potentially even things that have zero calories like coffee or potentially even brushing your teeth and things like this might actually bring you out of the fasted state just due to kind of things like circadian rhythm and kind of what our body gets into these flows of rhythms uh, in that our body recognizes that behavior as something that is going to most likely bring about food very soon. So when we're having that morning coffee, the body thinks, ah, well, this is normally when I start to eat something. And so it starts to produce insulin. Insulin rising is what is bringing you out of the fasted state because that's getting you in preparation to then start, um, I guess, storing away and using the, um, and putting, sorry, I should say, um, your uh, glucose levels are going to go um, rise. And so obviously that insulin helps to, um, I guess, push that into the muscles and get it out of the bloodstream. That gets far too detailed. I shouldn't have gone to that detail, but basically keep the idea that if something has calories, it is breaking your fast. If something has zero calories, it's not breaking your fast. Let's keep it nice and simple. But just to give you that idea that there is potentially some uh, murmurings that maybe even zero calorie um, type things and actions and foods uh, and drinks might be breaking your fast. But for now, if it's got calories like your milk, whether that's almond drink, nuts are not milk. And I hate the fact that they still call it milk. I hate it. It shouldn't be called almond milk, cashew milk, uh, all those kind of milks. Nuts are not milk. They're drinks. Um, but that's just my own little gripe. Um, so um, two, two tablespoons of milk, no matter what kind of milk or thing it is, absolutely will break your fast. But to go back to our very first question of this day, will that stop your ability to lose fat? Absolutely not. If you're someone that is doing fasting primarily as a tool for fat loss because it helps you restrict your calories over the, over the day, adding a couple of drops um, of milk or even two tablespoons or having a full-blown latte, cappuccino, mocha, whatever it might be, is not gonna stop your ability to lose fat just because you're breaking your fast in the morning. The potential health benefits though, absolutely will be stopped or kind of at least reduced. And so I would, I always recommend that people just stay completely fasted, only have water. I know you're gonna probably sit there and say, but oh, if I don't have my coffee, I'm gonna die. No, you won't die, you'll be fine. And if you can try and decrease that dependence on caffeine, you'll be far better for it. But if you think you have to have that coffee in the morning, by all means have it. And if you wanna have a little bit of milk in it, that's absolutely fine. But understand that it probably will be, it will break your fast. It will probably reduce the benefits you get from fasting, but it will not stop you from losing fat. Moving on, we had Mummy Pole. Uh, other than black coffee or H2O, can I eat or drink anything else that will not break my fast? Black coffee, as I said, is fine as long as it's had nothing to it. H2O is fine because it's got nothing in it. Don't go adding uh, apple cider vinegar, lemon juice, and these other kind of um, garbage remedies that people sit there and say that help with fat burning or help with digestion or help alkalize my body and all this other garbage. No, they don't, one. And two, they will break your fast. Uh, but Mummy Pole, no, that's probably about it. But again, if there's something there that has zero calories in it, then you can go for it. 
Diet drinks are a kind of gray area. Even though they're very, 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 very low calorie drinks, they do still have calories in them. Um, so again, it's hit and miss whether they are. I don't know the answer to that. I'm gonna probably say because they are so very low in calories that they're most likely not breaking a fast. So if you wanted to have you know, a Pepsi Max or a Coke Zero or something like that in the mornings, one, I don't know why you would be. I reckon you shouldn't be drinking these things, especially not that time of the morning. You don't need them. Stick to water. But if you do want them, I think you'd probably be fine to be having those. But there's no food item that you can uh, have at this time because there's not a single food that I know of that has no calories. If you know of a food that has no calories, let me know. Um, but pretty much, yeah, stick to, stick to water and you can't go wrong. Black coffee, you're still fine. Uh, I will say most of your teas are fine as well. So black tea, green tea. Um, be careful of herbal teas. Uh, many of them do actually have calories in them. Uh, especially the fruity slash herbal teas because they're normally getting their flavorings from an infused fruit and that fruit, just like lemon in your water, will be breaking your fast, so be careful of those. Just check the back of the packaging on the nutritional panel. Most of them will be there and they'll say, you know, the nutritional layout of what that particular product is and if it has any calories in it, I would stay clear. Um, but yeah, they're probably about the um, things that you can go for. I know a lot of people will sit there, uh, the keto world will sit there and say, oh, bone broth is fine for you. No, bone broth has calories. Um, and especially, yeah, let's talk about this one, the sh most ridiculous and stupid industry that is uh, bulletproof coffee. Uh, they're gonna sit there and tell you that you can have a 400 calorie coffee that has filled is filled to the brim with butter and MCT oil, coconut oil which are full of calories they're saying does not break your fast now it won't a lot of the research does show that it won't stop your body's um, kind of priority to use or utilize fat as a fuel source in the morning but it is absolutely breaking your fast so do not listen to anyone that is pushing this garbage product anyway but garbage idea that uh, bulletproof coffee um, or kind of using your own recipe for, um, for bulletproof coffee, but the idea of putting butter and oil in your coffee doesn't break your fast, it absolutely does. Uh, back to Tracy4341, asks how long before I should see good weight loss? I'm impatient, H-A-H-A. -H -A. We are all impatient, Tracy. It's my number one kind of follow-up question that I always get is, Adam, does this break my fast? And then if I start fasting, how long should uh, it take before I start seeing results? How strict do you want to be? If you find that you can be really strict and be consistent with that strict adhesion to a you know, significantly reduced calorie deficit, then you will see results quicker than someone who is only gonna be able to reduce their calories one to 300 calories underneath their maintenance calories. Do I recommend going a really low calorie diet? Absolutely not, because most people, and when I say most, 99.9% 90 no, of you listening to this who might want to go on a very low calorie diet, let's just say you should be having 1200 to 1400 and that would see you in a kind of moderate deficit that would help you to see you know, weight loss of 0.3 to 0.5 um, kilos per week, you know, up to half a kilo per week, which people sit there and say that that's slow. It's incredibly quick. I know you look at that as a week by week basis and you go, oh, half a kilo, you know, nothing's come off. Think about that over a year. That's 25 kilos of 
weight loss happening in a year. Now, I'm pretty sure anyone who's sitting there listening to this podcast now who has 25 to 30 kilos of weight loss to lose, if I said to you now, all you've got to do is be consistent and this time next year, you'll be 30 kilos lighter than you are now, would you be happy with that? I don't think there'd be a single person here say, no, I'd be unhappy to have lost 25 kilos. Look at it as the long-term, stop looking at it in such a micro kind of blinkers-on phase in that, well, it's only half a kilo. Yeah, it's half a kilo, but play that out over the long-term, that's huge um, you know, increases forwards and progress that's gonna dramatically improve your life. And there's gonna be so many other benefits than what you're gonna see just on the scale throughout that year-long journey. And so, Tracy, we're all impatient. I'm here to say stop being impatient. Just put in the work, be consistent with your calorie deficit and adhere to that calorie deficit. Now, there might be times where you're feeling uber motivated because you've been on a really good track for the last two months. Things are going really well. Work's great. You're sleeping well. You might have found a new uh, partner and you're kind of loved up and everything's going well and you're in the best place ever. Maybe that's a time to really ramp up your, I guess, energy and efforts to try and increase your rate of fat loss because you are in such a good place. Vice versa, there might be times where you're in a deficit and you're really struggling, you're mentally struggling, work's bad, you've just broken up with your partner, you know, you're not sleeping well and everything's kind of just on a bit of a blurt for you that might be a time to actually go the other way and actually give yourself a few extra calories. Yes, you might not then continue to see weight loss over that period, but you might be better off just increasing your calories by a couple of hundred calories each day to bring you up to maintenance rather than trying to stick it out and slog it out and feel really deprived, feel really stressed, not get any sleep, and then you have this massive blowout which then ends up being a blowout for a month when if you had just gone back the other time and just had a couple of extra 100 calories just to help you along that point, this shouldn't just be a stagnant calorie kind of number that you stick to. I read into many of the emails that my clients give to me in their weekly check-ins to see where they are mentally. And I've got kind of questions and that that they have to answer each week that allow me, with my experience and kind of getting to know that client as well, allow me to understand that this person might be struggling a bit at the moment, so I need to pull back on what their deficit is or kind of how hard I'm pushing them. And other times, they're just really positive. Things are going really well, and I'll suggest, hey, do you want to just kind of ramp it up a little bit for a couple of extra weeks? And so kind of that's a long-winded answer for you there, uh, Tracy. And I said I wasn't going to have long-winded answers today, but you guys all know me too well that it's probably a bit uh, too much to ask that uh, I couldn't just kind of get direct to the uh, answers. But how long should uh, how long before I should see good weight loss? I say if you can be consistent for 6 to 12 months, 12 months being more so, I say 6 very lightly, but more so, if you can be consistent with your calorie deficit, exercising every day, putting a massive priority on your sleep, and really being in the most positive environment you can possibly be, in 12 months, there's not a single person that won't have fundamentally changed their life forever by adhering to what I've just said there. So go about it and understand that one year is such a small amount of time. Like I understand right now, here and now, thinking about this time next year seems like a long time away. But just think about how quickly last year went. Think about how quickly this time last year was there and you're like, oh, I can't even imagine this time next year. 
time disappears like that. And before you know it, another year have gone. And if you haven't bothered to put the time and effort and energy into trying to be consistent with this, another year will disappear. It doesn't take a whole lot of effort when you look at it over the long term. Yes, in the time, it's going to feel like things are tough and it's hard to kind of maintain. And absolutely, there'll be times where you fall off. But think about it over the long term. You just need to be consistent, put a little bit of energy and effort into it, make a little bit of a sacrifice. And over the long term, this stuff gets easier. And so just start putting in that uh, uh, effort today. Uh, let's move on. Katie Jade 4. Hey, Adam, what's your go-to easy dinner? It's a really good question. Uh, I've really started posting a lot more of my family dinners on my Instagram story, uh, and many of you are loving that. Um, my daughter gets much more praise than I ever do. Everyone's always saying uh, how gorgeous my daughter is, and oh my gosh, she's so cute. Um, that's great, and uh, I'm glad she's becoming the star of it all, but... Um, yeah, a lot of you have kind of been really interested in kind of what I'm eating because I'm posting so much more about my nighttime routines and seeing my family and I uh, eating our dinner. My go-to easy meal is usually some sort of protein and rice. It's so easy to get together, and especially with the kind of 90-second rices you have these days. So even if you don't want to have to cook rice, which is super easy and it's really quick anyway, um, you know, I've, I've got a rice cookie here, and I can cook up a cup of rice in, what is it, 12 minutes, I think it is. Um, so I wouldn't say 12 minutes is very long at all. It takes you longer to get into the car, go down to the local you know, fast food restaurant, and then get back. So it's not that long at all. But with the invention of the you know, the 90 second rices, it's even quicker. But if you have some of those on hand, or you want to cook up your own rice, and then cooking up some sort of protein and vegetables, and then stirring it all through with a little bit of garlic, soy sauce, maybe a little bit of um, uh, oyster sauce, something like that as well. Or if you want more of the kind of sweet and sour, you can use some sweet chili sauce or uh, what else is there? The um, Yeah, it's like sweet and sour sauce, I think there is. Or like a sweet, uh, as I said, sweet chili. Using those kind of combinations of you just get, this is what I do. I cook up the rice. I then fry off the chicken or it might be beef strips or whatever protein you want to use. Steam up some vegetables and then stick it in one big bowl and then just stir through uh, your sauces. So whether that, as I said, is some soy sauce or whether that's some sweet chili sauce, some hoisin sauce, uh, oyster sauce, whatever it might be, you got a quick and easy stir-fry type dinner, plenty of flavor, you get your vegetables, you get your protein, you got your carbs, you got your fats, everything you need uh, is in there. My other go-to is eggs. Um, you know, two slices of toast and, you know, two or three or four, however many eggs you want, Really quick and easy. You can get yourself a good um, dash of protein in there. You've got obviously um, the bread there for your carbs, and if you want to then steam up some vegetables on the side, you can do that. Or making an omelette where you then roll obviously those vegetables through uh, the omelette. That's another great way of going. So they're my go-to and easy dinners. Um, I really think that's a great question. But if you're stuck for ideas on dinners, and this is what I do, either scroll through Instagram on if you've got any kind of foodie um, kind of pages that you follow, just scroll through any of those. Um, or go to YouTube or go to Google and just type in quick, easy dinners, and then you can put even ingredients like quick and easy dinners using beef or quick and easy dinners that have rice. And there will be a million videos and web pages that come up on telling how to make a quick and easy dinner um, you know, in less than kind of 10 to 15 minutes. So there's plenty available there. Let's move on. We had Janet.crips. Please, 
please, I should say, explain the role of hormones involved with fasting, slash, uh, including ghrelin, leptin, and growth hormone. I'm no hormone specialist. I can't go into detail with these, but this is what I can say. There has, when I was doing my writing my book, there was a, because one of the biggest concerns with people who, um, you know, have, I guess, fears around skipping the morning meal or people who are dead against it will sit there and say, yes, you might have skipped the morning meal, but you're just going to make up for those calories later in the day because of um, rise it, uh, let's go in. Ghrelin is the hunger hormone, or it's kind of in quote what it is. When your stomach is empty, ghrelin, the production of hormone, ghrelin rises and it tells the brain that you're hungry, you need to eat. And so the thought process is that, you know, obviously if you've got an empty stomach when you are uh, fasting and not eating breakfast in the morning, that ghrelin's just going to go through the roof. You're going to just get more and more and more and more and more hungry. And by the end of the day, you're just going to be so, or whether it's lunchtime or the end of the day, or whenever you finally get to eat, you're going to be so ravenous because ghrelin levels are so high that you know, you're just going to consume mass amounts of um, calories. Now, put that into two different scenarios. There's research on this, and let's kind of look at the practicality of just the everyday world from a layman's term, trying to explain why this just isn't the case and why it, why it would be such a detriment to us as a human race to actually have that um, work out. Research, they've done it on mice. I think they've done it on humans as well. There might have been a study um, from the um, University of Bath. I can't remember, but I know they've definitely done it on mice. And the study basically was they gave mice the equivalent um, kind of calorie uh, for a, a, a mouse, what it would be for a kind of standard breakfast uh, to a regular human being. And then basically gave them that and then gave them free reign of food at lunchtime and dinner. And then they had another study group of mice where they had no breakfast and then had free reign of calories uh, for lunch and for uh, dinner. Now, the group that had eaten the breakfast, yes, ate less at their lunchtime meal and dinner meal, but the group that didn't have breakfast may have been eating more at those two meals, but it never made up for the fact that they had not eaten the calories in the morning. So... I can't remember the exact numbers of calories and what the differences were, but let's just say that that mouse in the morning had had 100 calories. The mice that didn't have any breakfast and ate no calories for breakfast might have eaten then 20 extra calories at lunchtime and 20 extra calories at dinner time, meaning they ate 40 extra calories over the breakfast eating group of mice. But because that breakfast eating group of mice had, had an extra 100 calories, there's actually still a difference where the people, uh, the mice who'd had no breakfast had actually eaten less in total over the um, co uh, duration of the entire day. I hope that made sense. It made sense to me in my head, and as I'm kind of, I said, re-going over that research uh, that was there, I hope that made sense. So let's look at it more practically just in an everyday world. Think about hunger. Think about the last time you got hungry. Hungry doesn't just continue to ramp up, and that wouldn't make sense from an evolutionary point of view to us because back tens of thousands of years ago, we're out on the savannah, we're hunting, food wasn't readily available as it is today that, oh, I feel hungry, therefore I'll just go and get food. It wouldn't make sense for our bodies to just have 
hunger to increase and increase and increase and increase because you know when you are so ravenous that your mind is just almost kind of you know that that what's that term hung you know hangry you know you're angry and you're you're stressed and you're irritable and you're hungry all like that kind of really just kind of feeling imagine that continued to ramp up longer and longer and longer we went without food you would become so um consumed with the idea of i need to eat that you wouldn't be a functioning human being to be able to hunt or gather and do the things that we would have had to have done going back um tens of thousands of years ago and so and then think of it from a practical think about last time you were hungry there there can be certainly times where you get really ravenous but let's just say that you were in a meeting you had a long day at work and you just never had time to be able to get away to eat hunger goes away and I spoke to um, Saxon and Sinclair, the two guys from um, the fasting extended fasting podcast I did earlier on. If you haven't seen, uh, listened to that podcast, certainly go back there. And we talked about these two boys who went on a 20-day fast. They ate nothing and consumed only water for 20 straight days. And they spoke about how hunger goes through waves. There might be times where they are absolutely ravenous. But there were times, you know, on day 12, where all of a sudden they felt more energetic than they ever have in their life. And so, as I said, hunger goes through waves. And so just because, yes, ghrelin starts to go up, that doesn't mean it continues to rise and rise and rise. There comes a point where the body goes, oh, well, okay, you're not going to be eating. There's no point in me continuing to tell that you're hungry. So I'll just shut that off now and you can go about your life. And you know, I'll, I might remind you a bit later on and I might send uh, ghrelin levels going up again and hopefully you'll listen to it then. This is kind of how the body works. It doesn't just keep attacking you and saying, I'm hungry, I'm hungry, I'm hungry, I'm hungry, and keeping going up. Um, leptin is the opposite hormone, and kind of there are people who have uh, issues with leptin uh, and kind of how much it produces. And so basically you never have a signal that st- um, stops to tell you that you're hungry, um, and you just keep eating and eating. And I think it's, I don't think it uh, is the same, I don't think it has an effect on this one, I don't know, but um, what's it called? Um, Prada Willy syndrome, I think it's called, um, where kids um, become, you know, they've got it's it's a defective gene that basically they they are always feeling hungry, and it's a it's a genetic condition that um, you know it's it's a terrible, and it's normally associated with um, you know mental um, issues as well, uh, but it's a horrible horrible disease, and um, you know really can have uh, devastating effects. Sorry, uh, there was just a something blushing across my screen. Um, there was yeah, devastating effects to these kids um, growing up, and I'm pretty sure they don't have long lifespans. Um, I'm not 100% sure of that. I'm sorry if I'm getting that incorrect. But just to go on growth hormone really quickly, and I know I'm taking up your time. I'm so sorry, guys. Um, there's still a number of questions to come, but some of them I can definitely get through nice and quickly. But growth hormone, I'm going to say open heart and honest, I've been someone who spruced this idea in the past, and as I've learned more, researched more, and spoken to more people that know far more about hormones than I do, the idea of hormone raising when you're in a fasted state, I used to sit there and go, well, there's been studies, and there have been studies where they've made mice fast and their growth hormone has gone up by 2,000% in male mice. Now, they may have done this on humans as well, but regardless... Just because that rise happens does not mean that it actually has, and growth hormone obviously helps us with 
muscle um, synthesis and kind of helping us, as the name suggests, grow. And it's very especi- uh, it's very uh, important in kids. Growth hormone has massive spikes when we're in our deep sleep. Uh, for kids, it helps us grow and it helps us develop. Really important then. But later in life, it certainly still helps with muscle protein synthesis and these kinds of things that help us develop and grow and recover. And so they saw these massive spikes in mice of you know 2,000% increase in uh, growth hormone production. And people just thought, and I'm gonna put it in my hand and said, I saw those and really didn't kind of look deeper and just kind of saw that surface level and I should have known better. And so, whoa, growth hormone spiking by 2,000%. Bam, that means if you are fasting, you're gonna be far more likely to recover better. You're gonna be far more likely to build muscle and all these kinds of things. It's, it's an effect that is not an anabolic, as in building effect over the long term. Again, you're looking at the short-term effect in that, yes, you had this spike, but because you have been low um, because you're fasting, you are not gonna actually see a long-term positive effect coming out from that rise in that growth hormone. Now again, that's my very quick summation of kind of what I've come to now learn, and that's kind of like a, a negative feedback in that you know something's going on, the body's trying to compensate for the fact that you've got no calories coming in and it's trying to maintain. It's not in an actual positive way that that's happening. Uh, so we've got to get away from that idea. I don't know more than that. I don't know enough of that to kind of go into more detail. Uh, and I probably haven't even explained it um, very well anyway. But just understand that yes, the role of growth hormone is not as positive as I've certainly led to believe in the past and kind of talked about. And if you're hearing people as many fasting, you know, pro-fasting people are talking very highly of how amazing it is that growth hormone goes through the roof. It's not as kind of beneficial as we're kind of um, leading uh, to believe. Let's move on. Uh, Mandy slash underscore, I should say, Eddie, I fast 16 slash eight, usually five to six days a week. Sometimes by the end of the week, I start to feel weary with a question mark. Um, It's not actually a question there, but Mandy, what I'm kind of thinking that you're saying is that you know, for most of the week, you are able to maintain, you know, a no breakfast type protocol and five to six days of the week, you're all right. But kind of coming towards the end of the week, you kind of feel a bit weary that you might want to not fast on the sixth or seventh day of the week. Um, I'm going to suggest, Mandy, that this is coming down to stress factors and other factors within your life and has nothing to do with the fasting. I hear this all the time and you can probably relate to, or anyone listening to this can probably relate when you're feeling stressed or you're having a, a rough day or a rough go of it over the last couple of weeks or again, you might have broken up with your partner. You might, as I said, be have just lost your job or jo- um, your job's really stressed. You've got a big report to go on or you've been traveling all week and you haven't been sleeping well because you've been in different beds. You can always, you, I'm sure you, many of you can relate and kind of um, always understand that in those states you feel much um, less likely to be able to stay the course of you know the fat loss journey you might be on or doing the things that you know you should be doing, you're far less likely to do them when you're in this kind of state. And so if it's towards, you're saying you know, towards the end of the week, I'm saying it's more likely the fact that it's the end of the week, you've had a busy week, you're probably tired, you're probably a bit run down, you know, you've been trying to run on you know fumes for the entire week, you're not really sleeping well. I would put more of an emphasis, Mandy, on making sure that you're getting quality sleep every night, shutting down you know, your phone and your computer and your work you know, at least an hour before. 
you go to bed so you can let your mind unwind. Maybe read a book, maybe do some meditation, maybe do some stretches. I've got a YouTube video of what I do as my nightly routine. So if you want to go and check that out, you certainly can on my YouTube channel, The No Breakfast Guy. Um, and if you can put focus on those as well as doing your best to make sure that you're always eating nutrient-dense food, you're always exercising, you're always getting lean proteins in, you're making the environment around you as supportive as you possibly can, that means at home and at work, you will start to feel that you are much more positive and not so weary and lethargic around the idea of fasting and the whole um, you know, fat loss and diet journey that you are on, that you'll find that towards the end of the week that doesn't become such an issue. But understand, there's always going to be those weeks. There's always going to be weeks where you do feel a bit bleh. And it's going to be much more difficult, but you've got to look at kind of what are your goals, what are your ambitions, and you've got to match your actions to those ambitions. And so, yes, this shit gets tough. I'm not going to sit there and say that this isn't easy. Losing weight is one of the most difficult things you'll ever have to do. And, you know, I, I, again, I mean, you can get them from the trashy magazines and headlines on Facebook everywhere, but, you know, when you ask people who feels secure about their weight or who doesn't worry about their weight, it's only a very small percentage of people. Losing weight or you know, their, the body shape or physique or um, you know, these kind of factors, most people worry about them and it's a worry that many of us will have for most of our life, fitness people included. I sit there and worry about my um, body shape and you know, am I being a good example and shouldn't I be more lean to be able to kind of give across information on fat loss and you know, who's going to listen to me because I'm not some jacked up uh, dude in the gym when I'm talking about exercises you can do to help with muscle growth and all these different things. From a fitness person perspective, I certainly have these worries. And from a general public view, most people have those kind of worries as well with regards to their physique and fat loss and weight and things like that. So this is tough. It's a grind. It's always going to be there, but it does get easier with time. But understand, even at your best, you might be feeling the absolute fittest you ever have. You've achieved your weight loss goal. You're training multiple times a day. You're sleeping at your best. You're going to have bad days, and they're going to come along. And so you just got to try and keep keep on top of those things. And remember, it's consistency, not perfection, that's going to help you get to the end. Uh, moving on, we have casually underscore Chelsea. Can you drink water while fasting? And how much water is ideal to have while 24-hour fast? Let's make this a real quick one. Absolutely you can, and you should be drinking water during your fasting period. Anyone who sits there and says you should be doing dry fasting, this is fasting without any liquids whatsoever. I understand Ramadan, that you do it through there, but that's for religious reasons. By all means, do it if it's part of a religious kind of um, you know, uh, way of living, that's fine. But there should be no circumstance why you are ever doing a dry fast, so absolutely drink water. And how much water is ideal? Whenever you're thirsty, drink. If you're not thirsty, you don't have to drink. I hate this kind of idea that you have to have eight glasses a day or you should be drinking three liters of water a day. No, the only factor that your body, or sorry, I should say the only kind of um, indication your body will give you that you, are thir- uh, that you are dehydrated in need of water or hydration of any um, kind of kind is it gives you thirst. Are you thirsty? You need, you need hydration. If you're not thirsty, you don't. You don't have to have this idea of kind of preloading yourself to be prehydrated. It's garbage. If you're thirsty, drink. If you're not thirsty, don't drink. Um, all right, this one, Sazads2017. I think that's right. Um, I'm new to all this, but I've been told your body hibernates when there isn't enough food. True or false? 
This I think he's coming to the idea of you know starvation mode. Let me just answer it really quick. It's false. Susie from accounting sits there and says that your body will you know go into starvation mode if you're not eating enough. No, you won't go into starvation mode. No, starvation mode doesn't exist. No, you don't have to worry about this ever happening to you. You can skip the morning meal. You'll be absolutely fine. Even if you skip the lunchtime meal, you are absolutely fine. The only reason you will put on calorie, uh, sorry, you will put on fat is because you're eating too many calories. This idea that if you eat too little calories, you will put on fat is absolutely absurd. What tends to happen and why people get this confused is people go on very low calorie diets, they can't sustain them, they have a binge that they don't tell anyone about and they blow out by 4,000 calories and then they sit there and go, you know, they, they kind of have this kind of cycle every single week and then in a month's time they go, I haven't lost a single gram. Oh, this is garbage, you know, it must be because I'm not eating enough. No, Bob, you were sitting there having a really restricted calorie diet and then you were binging on a Friday night and doing it on a secret, not telling anyone and then letting the world know, I've been having this really low calorie diet. Maybe I'm not eating enough. No, it's not. It's because you were eating too many calories that you put on weight, not because your body went into some mythical starvation mode because you weren't eating enough. Uh, Alex.x, does it get easier? Yes, but there's still hard times. Understand, as I said, just said before, that just like anything, remember the first time you rode a bike. Was it easy when you first tried to ride a bike? No, you probably fell off 10 times. You probably grazed your knee, you hit your face, um, you cut up your knuckles, but you got back on the bike, you did it again, you did it again, and it got easier. But then you still come to some tight, tight, twisty roads that make it much more challenging to ride that bike. But you've learnt some skills and behaviours that have enabled you to kind of get through that twisty and windy road. It still is more difficult at that point than it was when you're travelling down a straight road. Same thing with regards to fasting and fat loss and fitness and all of these kinds of things that people want to be proficient at. That it's something, it's a skill that you're always learning more on. You're always doing things on and I have been in and around the fitness injuries myself and been around exercise and activity my entire life and I still find it difficult at times. But it does get easier and as I said, you'll start to learn practices and put things into place that makes this become easier and allows you to be more consistent with it over time. Um, Gelbun.schwartz, what's the longest fast you have ever done? Um, by force, I was forced to do over two days when I was having my gallbladder removed. Um, just a, a fuck up that happened at the hospital meant that uh, they missed me, uh, missed me and my window to get me in for a scan, and I had to be fasting for that scan. And then they said, "Oh, we're really sorry. Um, yeah, you've missed. You can't do it today. You'll have to do it tomorrow." And so you have to keep uh, fasting and all that. Anything. So I was kind of by force um, put into it was almost 50 hours I think that I was fasted before I got to have something after this scan was put on um, but by choice I've also done a couple of 48 hour fasts where uh, I had my last meal on a Friday night and I didn't eat again until Sunday night um, it, it's an interesting journey um, I won't say I was hungry on those uh, what the biggest concern I would have kind of looking into it so far is I miss the sensation of eating. It wasn't that, I certainly went through kind of hungry periods through that um, two days, but actually a lot less than I thought I would. Um, and hunger wasn't my issue. It was just, I, I started missing food. Just the, the, you know, the textures on my mouth, the, the tastes in my mouth, it was just very bland having water all the time. And so 
Um, doing much more extended fasting, as I said, like I talk, spoke to those two boys later, uh, earlier on in this uh, series, yeah, 20 days, I can't even imagine it, let alone the kind of um, factor of how hungry I think you would get at different points throughout that. Just the kind of missing of food, I would have thought for me, would be the, um, the one of the biggest challenges uh, from there. Um, Kath Balm, I think it is. If I ate one meal per day, would I have to eat all my day's protein allowance in that one meal? Yes, your calorie allowance per day um, should be a very close second um, importance or priority uh, when on some sort of fat loss journey. And if you need to get 120 grams of protein in, in one day, uh, in uh, per day I should say, if you're having that in two meals or nine meals or one meal, then yes, you need to get in that 120 grams. Uh, let's move on to the very last question. There we go, guys. That not been too bad uh, taking up your time, so I appreciate if you are still here with me. Last question we had was, gained my life back. Uh, I always feel crazy hungry and out of control after I fast. This goes back to what I was speaking about before, guys. If that is kind of the feeling you have, I am going to put almost my entire life savings and my life on the line to say that it has much more to do with your life rather than the fast that you're doing. How stressed are you? Did you sleep last night? Have you exercised regularly over the last couple of days? Have you had some sort of life-changing event? Are you dealing with stresses or mental health or um, anxiety-based issues? Those kinds of factors and things have far more impact on your kind of want to eat and you know, for better, for lack of a better terminology, eat your emotions and this kind of feeling that you need to eat. There's not really ever normally a need to eat. It's more of a want to eat. And so if you're feeling crazy hungry and out of control after you fast, I would be looking at to kind of the environment you're in, both the environment you're living in plus the environment you're living in with your own head and the kind of mental state you're in and the kind of sleep you're getting and uh, you know the actions you're taking around your health and wellness at that particular point in time because I feel if you can get them sorted, you'll be in a much better place and you'll be far less likely to feel out of control and in quote crazy hungry at the end of a fast. With that said, if it is actually a physical hunger when it's normally not, but let's just say for argument's sake that you are feeling this crazy physical hunger where your body is like, I need food, then have something to eat. You don't have to kind of wait until this point where you are absolutely ravenous, I'm going to murder someone if they don't get out of my way and get in my way of me getting some food. You should never get yourself to that point. And it goes back to this idea of people holding kind of really tightly to some sort of eating and fasting window that, oh, I only can eat from 12 until 6 and I don't eat outside of those. And this idea that you might be on one particular day because yesterday you had a really busy day, you did huge amounts of exercise, you didn't get much sleep, so you haven't recovered well. And then the next day at 10 o'clock, you're sitting there going, geez, I'm hungry. Oh, but I can't eat until 12. No, you idiot. If you're hungry, have something to eat. Start listening to your body. Don't let a clock on the wall tell you when you can and cannot eat. Listen to your body. If you're hungry, have something to eat. Maybe it's just something small. Maybe it's like, oh, I feel a bit peckish. Maybe I'll have an apple rather than having a full-blown break of your fast and having your lunch at that period of time. 
I said, maybe it just needs to be something small where you just have, as I said, a piece of fruit or maybe it's a really small handful of nuts or it might just be a, a coffee or a, a, a big glass of water, whatever it might be. It might be something small that then ties you over for the next couple of hours until you get to your main kind of breaking of your fast or vice versa. And I think this is one where a lot of people go wrong is they eat because it says to and they're not actually hungry. So it's, oh, it's 12, that's when I eat, so I better eat. If you're not hungry, don't eat. Like if it gets to 12 and that's usually your in quote lunch time, but you're not hungry at all, just keep plowing through your work. You're gonna probably be productive. You're not gonna kind of break that concentration level. Just keep pushing through your work, put in the um, kind of hours and productivity. And when you're feeling hungry, maybe it's 2.30, 3 o'clock or whenever it might be, then break your fast then. And then you, as I said, start getting more in tune with your body and start listening to your body to when you're giving you these proper clues or kind of cues that you are actually hungry. And you'll find that this whole journey becomes much, much easier if you kind of do start listening to your body like that. Well, there you go, guys. Uh, That's 52 minutes worth of answering questions. I said I was gonna do it much more quick fire, but I should know myself better. You guys should know me if you're still sitting here going, oh, Adam's gonna do a nice short one. I can listen to this on the way to work. And now you're having to listen to this on the way home from work because I've spoken for so long. You guys should know me better by now that I would be uh, still uh, rambling on at the end. But I hope my rambles, I say, um, have been of value today, guys. And I really hope that you've found some interesting tidbits from some of the answers, uh, sorry, questions that I answered. Uh, thank you to everyone who did send in their questions. Uh, I always love answering kind of personal questions rather than I try to look at trends of what people are asking me and what people are um, saying and putting the comments and things like that to kind of how I roll out my content and kind of trying to target what people are interested at that time. But um, I'm not a Nostradamus. I can't tell what's on people's minds. I can't read the future. So I always really love that interaction when someone comes to me like formally it says, Adam, I have a question and I like answering that question. So that's why I love these ones. And I hope, as I said, I've answered and kind of really cleared the air on some of the kind of ideas around fasting, fitness and fat loss. And this podcast have been of value too. As I always say, guys, my little kind of shout out to you now. If you can screen capture this podcast for us, put it up on your Instagram page, you know, tag me in it and say how, how much you enjoyed it or didn't enjoy it, what you might have found value from it because you never know You might put that up on your page and someone might see it that is in your uh, following an audience that it might help them achieve their goals and kind of better understand fasting and fat loss. And you could have been a big hand in helping them do that. And so get it up there, guys. Tag me in it. I'd love to see you guys enjoying my podcast. That's been another episode, though, of the Let's Talk Fast podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it. I wish you all well. I love you lots. Thank you for your attention once again, guys. The fact that you spend 55 minutes with me every week really does warm my heart so i thank you very much wherever you are if you're driving on to work today hope you have a fantastic work if you're in the gym having a workout listening to me now hope you had a fantastic workout but again guys love you lots hope you're well i'll see you next week i'm trying to get those guests on i really am um i'm just useless i i I got nothing else to say but there are guests coming guys but i'm trying my best to get them on but i love you all i'll see you next time on the uh let's talk fast podcast i should say i'll hear you next time i'll talk to you You know what I mean. Guys, have a fantastic day. I love you lots. Ciao.